Hi, I'm Philippa Tolley and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This week's story is called Ducky and Drakey and it's by Martin Van Banen who joins me now. Kia ora, Martin. Kia ora, Philippa. So this is quite a curious tale. Two ducks and a five-year legal battle. How did you find out about all of this? I found out about it through checking the register of court decisions. I then went to um, our own website to see if we'd covered it, which we had. But we didn't have an interview with Eugene. We didn't have any photos of Eugene. And it just struck me as being an incredible tale, one of those ones you just couldn't make up had all the elements of the small New Zealand town, sort of an eccentric interest in ducks. And then you had this uh, East European guy who was prepared to go to the absolute nth degree to, to get justice for his ducks. So you mentioned Eugene there, Eugene Greendrake. He was the owner of the ducks. You obviously had lots to do with him. How did you find him as an individual? Well, he certainly was a very pleasant fellow and, and very intelligent English was his second language, and yet his his English was very good. Also, he, he clearly had a, a facility with the law. I mean, I've seen a lot of people try to litigate their own cases and with, without much success, but Eugene had actually done a really good job of researching the law and presenting his arguments. So he loved his ducks, he loved the law, but five years over two ducks is a very long time. Why did he keep on going? Well, I certainly asked him about that, and there was a certain amount of trying to get justice for what he what he regarded as his family members. The other reason, I think, was that he saw it as an intellectual challenge. He didn't like being fobbed off by officials. And when it came down to it, he was just prepared to go all the way and not give up. Thanks for that, Martin. Now, here's Martin reading his story, Ducky and Drakey. The story of how two Pekin ducks living in Southland made New Zealand legal history goes back to a boy in Eastern Europe whose parents often left him home alone. What the boy had for company was a large map of the world on his wall that he studied intensely, memorising the contours of the continents so he could draw them from memory. He was fascinated by a small country all by itself at the bottom of the map, and the more he learned about it, the more he liked it. He came to feel He was a New Zealander, just born in the wrong country. He also had a thing for ducks. As he grew up, he hankered for a remote, quiet place where he could settle and realise his dream of having a duck pond with pet ducks swimming about contentedly. He was clever and tenacious. He studied chemical engineering and eventually became a programmer, which provided him with the skills to become a digital nomad. He didn't want to be one of those. New Zealand beckoned, and around 2009, he arrived in Dunedin for an English language course, and then returned in 2010 on a work visa for a job in Christchurch, and then Wellington. By 2013, he had changed his name to Eugene Greendrake, green being his favourite colour, and Drake, as in ducks, his favourite animal. Around that time he started looking for a property to fulfil his dream. Nightcaps in Southland fitted the bill. It was in the middle of nowhere but had power, water and plenty of space for DIY activities. And properties were dirt cheap. He bought a quarter acre section on Yarrow Street 
$25,555. Here, Green Drake was happy. He found Nightcap's quaint mix of rural and urban New Zealand. He could get high-speed internet and prompt courier deliveries while surrounded by paddocks of sheep and cows in a serenity punctured only by the occasional siren blaring from the volunteer fire station. Before he began living on his section, he got a contractor to dig a large hole for a duck pond. Greendrake surmised that wild ducks would make it home and eventually he would add some pet ones of his own. A local noticed the new pond and dropped off his own Pekin ducks. He didn't tell Greendrake, who later learned the man only had a bath for the birds to paddle in and wanted a better life for the pair. Another local, Greendrake's neighbour Colin Grew, was the first to notice the pond's new inhabitants. He named them Drakey and Missy, and when they called at his property for a visit, he fed them grain. He cut a hole in his fence so they could go back to the pond without going onto the road. Soon, Greendrake noticed the birds as well. He wasn't aware Missy already had a name, so he called her Ducky. They were two lovely ducks, Groob says. They used to go out on the road and people driving past would get out and take photographs of them. There were other people with dogs and we never had a problem. At the bottom of Yarrow Street was a storm water drain, or creek, which Ducky and Drakey often frequented. Nearby was the gate to the neighbouring property, owned by farmer Wayne McConachie, who used the land to graze sheep. He claimed to have a problem with marauding dogs, savaging his stock, and kept dog traps on the property. On Sunday, August 19, 2018, tragedy struck. The bucolic quiet was broken by an unusual noise near the creek where Ducky and Drakey could often be seen foraging. Groob was the first to give Greendrake the terrible news. What he recounted to Greendrake would set in train five years of legal action, requiring decisions and rulings by three district court judges, four high court judges, and two judges of the Court of Appeal. The events of that Sunday remain a little murky, but Groob claimed he saw McConaughey stop his ute after driving through the farm gate of his property to head home. Groob noticed Drakey and Ducky in the creek beside the ute and then went inside. Then he heard an unusual noise. I happened to look over to the drain and noticed two white things lying on the edge. Never took much notice, but about five minutes later I thought, something funny going on here. Just as I opened the door, McConaughey was walking from, there's a fence across the drain by my boundary. He was walking back from there and he got on his ute and drove off. The white things were gone. Group investigated and saw feathers, blood and internal organs scattered on the ground and rushed to tell Green Drake. They found Drakey lying dead in the creek and Ducky missing. She would be discovered the next day by a nightcap's resident with her neck ripped and mauled 
but alive. Ducky needed 12 days of veterinary treatment in Invercargill before she was well enough to come home. Greendrake texted McConaughey, who told him he had the wrong way. He then complained to the SPCA and the police. The SPCA spoke to McConaughey, but he denied any involvement. Eventually, with no joy from the authorities, Greendrake decided to take the law into his own hands. He started a private prosecution against McConaughey. The first step was to prepare charging documents, just like the police would. Greendrake's charges alleged McConaughey had committed an offence under the Dog Control Act by making his dog attack his ducks. He broadened his legal onslaught by also charging the farmer with willful and reckless mistreatment of two domestic ducks under the Animal Welfare Act. On September 4, 2018, he went to the Invercargill office of the District Court to lodge his documents. The filing clerk accepted them, the importance of this will be revealed later, and gave them a court record number. Due to questions about how the charges should be served on McConaughey, the clerk referred the matter to Judge David Saunders, who ordered that more evidence would be required. Shortly afterwards, District Court Judge Mark Callahan gave further directions. Greendrake obliged, but on October the 15th, Judge Saunders ruled the evidence Greendrake had supplied wasn't sufficient to justify a trial and declined to accept the charging documents. However, Greendrake persevered. I regarded those two ducks not just as beloved pets, but perhaps like family members, Greendrake said. Of course what happened to them was a big loss, stress and pain so aspiring for justice was a natural reaction. He learned about Beverly Renton, who lived about 100 metres from the scene, who had apparently witnessed the whole incident. In a statement, she said she saw a man open the crate on the back of the truck and let three dogs out by the gate. She said a black dog had gone straight for the ducks while the man drove around the paddock. He returned to the gate and she saw him pick up the ducks and put them in the ditch beside the truck. He then drove off. With the new information at hand, Greendrake asked Judge Saunders to reconsider his decision, but the judge refused, saying the new information was not available at the time the charging documents were filed, so could not remedy the defect. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on what, rising child no, abuse numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack no, line no, there. No, that, I what, think Chris, that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah I'm not worried about it at all. That's Nothing a fear there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. Prepare for an unfiltered journey through the harsh realities of infertility. My name's Nadine Higgins. I'm a broadcaster, a journalist, and I've been trying to make a baby with my husband. That's me. I'm Dan. And we reckon infertility is lonely enough without making it a dirty little secret. 
In The Human Race with Dan and Nadine Higgins, we share raw and unvarnished stories of couples who have faced the brutal truth of infertility. Unless you've been in it, it's, it's really tough and really lonely. Yeah, and also, this is really weird, but baby showers, you don't need to open the presents in front of everyone. Confronting the harsh reality that not every story has a happy ending. This very blunt, abrasive doctor who I had, you know, had not seen before, who delivered the news, just like, you'll probably never have a natural period again and you'll probably never have a baby. The Human Race, where we share the untold stories of couples in the race of their lives to create a life. I feel like I nearly missed out and I got to do it. And so I feel really lucky. So it's been incredibly positive. Listen today at stuff.co.nz slash thehumanrace or wherever you get your podcasts. The Human Race is proudly brought to you by Elevate. Green Drake was not to be denied. As he could not appeal Judge Saunders' ruling, he applied for a judicial review of the decision. A judicial review is a proceeding in the High Court where a judge is asked to review the decision of a public or private administrative body, including a lower court. The duck fancier was now on a mission and doing all the legal work himself. He took a one-hour masterclass about how to behave in a courtroom and scoured relevant legislation, cases and legal texts. Green Drake said, I actually tried to seek legal advice, but most lawyers seem to steer away from private prosecutions and I thought it would be better to have everything under my control anyway. The High Court appointed a lawyer as contradictor to argue Judge Saunders' decision was correct. Another fishhawk arose. The lawyer asked whether McConaughey should be joined as a party to the proceeding as he could be affected by the outcome. Greendrake opposed that move. He didn't want the complication of McConaughey being involved before the trial and thought it set a bad precedent for private prosecutions. The issue needed a ruling, and the case came before Justice Rachel Dunningham. On July 18, 2019, she ruled that as McConaughey could be impacted by the application to review Judge Saunders' decision, he should be joined as a party. Greentrake wasn't happy and wanted to challenge the decision in the Court of Appeal. To do so, he needed Justice Dunningham's permission to appeal. By now, it was October 2019. The judge threw out Ringdrake's request, saying she was not satisfied that this is a sufficiently arguable error of law to warrant granting leave. Not satisfied himself, Ringdrake lodged another appeal. He asked the Court of Appeal to rule that Justice Dunningham should have let him appeal her decision. He claimed the appeal was sought in the interests of all members of the public who may have to seek justice by way of private prosecution. In April 2020, the Court of Appeal ruled against him. We do not consider that it is seriously arguable that the joinder decision in this case was wrong, the court said. So nearly two years after the attack on Ducky and Drakey, the High Court had yet to decide if Greendrake's charging documents could jumpstart his prosecution. The date for the hearing was set for October the 22nd, 2020. Before it proceeded, Greendrake sought permission from the High Court to film the hearing for his own records 
and also asked the court to allow members of the public visiting the court to take photographs. Justice Gerald Nation rejected the request. It was another knockback, but Greendrake was on the cusp of having his only legal victory in the saga so far. In November 2020, Justice Dunningham ruled that Judge Saunders had made a mistake in rejecting the charging documents. Under the relevant legislation, she said, once the Invercargill District Court accepted the charging documents, he no longer had jurisdiction to reject them. The way was now clear for Greendrake to have his day in court to get justice for Ducky and Drakey. The trial started in the Invercargill District Court before Judge Russell Walker on September 29, 2021. Over the day, Greendrake, who took on the role of prosecutor, suffered several setbacks. Renton's evidence was a little lacking, which was not surprising given the event happened three years before and she lived at least 100 metres from the scene. Greendrake made the rookie mistake of getting her to identify McConaughey in court. McConaughey's lawyer successfully objected. Greendrake should have just asked her to name the farmers she saw. Groob was the other witness. He had not seen a black dog, had not seen the dog attack the ducks, and it became clear he had little time for McConaughey. McConaughey told the court he had gone to the property on the Sunday with two huntaway dogs, ginger and grey in colour, to check on his sheep. He had hoped to shoot a black Labrador, who had been worrying the sheep, but his dog trap had been sprung. He denied having anything to do with the attack on Ducky and Drakey. Judge Walker felt he was being truthful and found the charges were not made out and considered there was significant doubt that McConaughey was in fact the owner or possessor of the dog in question. It was a massive blow for Greendrake, but he wasn't finished yet. He sought the leave of the High Court to appeal Judge Walker's decision, claiming the judge had made numerous errors of law such as not allowing Renton to identify McConaughey in court. He also claimed Judge Walker had failed to take account of various discrepancies in McConaughey's evidence. High Court Justice Rob Osborne decided the matter on the papers. Ultimately, it is my ruling that the proposed grounds of appeal have no merit. In essence, Mr Greendrake's complaints combine to the central proposition that the judge reached an incorrect factual conclusion. That was a conclusion clearly open to the judge on the basis of the evidence presented, he ruled. With the appeal out of the way, the district court considered an application by McConaughey to be compensated for costs he incurred in defending the charges. Judge Walker, in awarding $10,000 to McConaughey, found there had been a fundamental evidential insufficiency in Greendrake's prosecution, the evidence falling well short of the threshold to establish the charges beyond reasonable doubt. The judge observed that the passion and vigour Greendrake gave to the prosecution overwhelmed his ability to make an objective assessment of the evidence necessary to establish the charges. These proceedings were not the appropriate mechanism to grieve his loss. McConaughey then asked the High Court to award him 
$365 for the legal costs involved in opposing Green Drake's request for leave to appeal the district court's decision. In April this year, Justice Osborne agreed McConaughey deserved a significant award and ordered Green Drake to pay the farmer $4,500. Green Drake could be forgiven for feeling beaten and downhearted. After nearly five years of legal action, he was left with a bill of $14,500 and not much to show for his endeavours. Green Drake says he intends to obey the costs orders, however unjust I may think they are. Right now, I don't have to though, because I'm appealing them. Nor does he think it's been a waste of time. I had been generally curious and enthusiastic about law and how the justice system worked. Having this hands-on experience has been quite invaluable and illuminating to the extent that I think it pays off the effort, even if I don't win. He agrees the five-year legal saga is a lot of fuss about two ducks. He says the actual fuss isn't about the ducks. The gist of the fuss, he says, is effectively about how the justice system, both the judiciary and the lawyers, gets irritated and defensive when self-represented non-lawyers break the pattern and start advancing well-grounded, hard-to-rebut arguments and demonstrate deep knowledge of the law. In their view, lay litigants, he says, aren't really supposed to do that. It disturbs the lawyers, judges' well-established, comfortable ecosystem and pecking order in which meritorious lawyering is supposed to be done by lawyers only and lay people are supposed to nod revere and pay the bills. Whoever dares to disobey that pattern and think they can do serious DIY lawyering are supposed to be laughed out of the courtroom and be eventually stung by costs orders to discourage anyone from daring. So in this case, he says, the system has been demonstrating rather severe immune reaction to me probing it. It has been rather difficult for them when you say two plus two makes four. It's really hard to oppose it. Life goes on in nightcaps. Green Drake is building his own house and the pond continues to host ducks. In 2018, Green Drake bought Donald to replace Drakey. Donald is now about seven. Conachie has sold up and moved away and did not want to comment while the legal action continues. Ducky and Drakey's progeny also live on. Green Drake incubated the clutch of eggs Ducky, who lived for another two years after the attack, had at the time. I was very motored to ensure they survived, he said. She also had one duckling naturally on her own. I have since sold a few of their descendants to other duck lovers in Southland. So Ducky and Drakey keep living in that sense. That was Ducky and Drakey on The Long Read from Stuff, written and read by Martin Van Bainen. The audio for this episode was edited by John Ropiha. If you listen via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on The Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please do give us a five-star rating and review. It really helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening. Ka kite anō.
This pod took time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.